0: Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, because of the forgiveness. Lord, we thank you because of the cross. Thank you for salvation, God. That today, as we come before you, God, you're so grateful because of the love and the joy. Because of the redemption, God. And today, it could be somebody or some people walking in this place. When they are carrying pain, it could be a physical pain and forgiveness. Whatever it is that are carrying, Father, I pray mm. that, Lord, may you reach out to them, God, and bring healing. Amen whether it's emotional healing or a physical healing, Father, we declare your healing in the name of Jesus Christ, mm. oh God. Could it be somebody that have never even committed their life to you, God? Or surrender to you, Father, today? It's because of the cross you are here to celebrate you, God. And that those that are feeling lonely, Father, that those that are feeling hopeless, discouraged, overwhelmed today, God. But that some of us are just scared. I pray, Lord, today that may you stretch your hand Amen. and bring healing and comfort Father. Yes, Jesus. I pray for each one of us today that Lord will raise up because of the victory on the cross, because of the love that you showed for us, oh God. So thank you for being faithful. Thank you for your love for us, God. Lord, we thank you for our children's ministry, our youth. We pray for our volunteers that are committed every Sunday to come and work with those children. And some of them have to sacrifice their time of worship and the time for the Word and and to be able to look after those young people, Father, and to pray for them this morning, God. The Lord, may you continue to bring your encouragement and your motivation to them, Father. The Lord, may you be there for them even during those moments, oh God. And for those that are away this morning, either because of sickness or other commitments, Father, I pray for them at home. We continue to pray for our nation, Father. We pray for this country. Lord, we pray that even through these challenges of inflation, the challenges of other other financial decisions have to be made in homes, Father. We pray for our leaders in this country, Lord, that they'll seek you. We pray for their wisdom, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our God. We know across the world there are countries that are fighting, like Sudan, Myanmar and so many other countries that have been fighting among themselves, oh God. Lord, may you bring peace in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Yes. Lord, we thank you for the rain. And we pray, God, that as we prepare to, to cultivate, to plant, and to put things and seeds in the, in the ground, Father. May you continue to bring good weather in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. Hello. Hello. Jambo. Jambo. Shalom. Shalom. Wow. How many languages can you talk? <laughs>
1: I struggle with just speaking English. <laughs> Being Irish, you know.
0: Let's put our hands together and welcome uh, Reverend Graham this morning, and thank you for bringing. Enjoy. Thank you for bringing Joanne with you this morning. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joanne, for you know coming. What, and, uh, you know
1: what Joanne means? The yeah? name Joanne means yeah. gift of God. Wow. She is
0: my gift. Let's give her a big hand clap and uh, thanks so much. Thank you, Christian and worship team for leading us this morning. Thank you, everybody.
1: Well, it's great to be back here in Kerrang, and I want to bring greetings from Paul and Annie who are missing you guys very much, and uh, they're just about to head off to uh, Bali suffering for Jesus. I know. It's, it's Yeah, I'll pass that on, Michael, okay? Um, you, you were very emotional there. And uh, I also bring greetings to you from Bob. Um, he was on his motorbike the other day when uh, at a Baptist function, and he passes on his greetings to you as well. Um, you're pastors, and it's a joy to have shared fellowship with, with Pastor Fred, and, uh, and uh, you have a great pastor who loves Jesus, and wants to see God do great things here in Kerrang and through Kerrang. You know, it was a privilege for me last night to uh, to meet with Pastor Fred and uh, a couple of the elders and also with a couple of uh, the leaders from Barham. And there's this sense of discerning what is God doing? And how can we cooperate and participate? With what God is doing in this particular region, and so um, there's been a letter that has been come to from Barum to the Karang Church, and asking how can we work together and how can we help one another. And so last night, in many ways, began a process of what we call discernment. No decisions, but more about listening and hearing. And in the midst of listening and hearing, the great prayer is, what are you doing, God, that we can get on board? Is this something that we are to cooperate and participate in? And it was such, such a joy as we began listening and began to understand the heart of particularly one of the leaders from Barham. And his focus was on... Prayer. I loved how he was able to, out of his own testimony, out of his own story of what is happening with him, he reflected on the very thing, uh, saying, without prayer, we can do nothing. We're depending upon ourselves. He was sharing in light of his situation with his wife. This very reflective on the, on the song that we've just sung. Very reflective on the, on the song that we've sung. His wife had been diagnosed with a situation and uh, had to go in and have tests. And so they brought this matter to God in prayer. They came to church. A couple of days later, she went in and had surgery. And she was at church the following week. And he gives the answer in response that it was a miracle in one sense that she got in to have the operation so quickly that the operation was successful and that she was able to be in church the following week. And he gives all the glory to God. And so in our discussions last night, there was this sense of we need to be partnering together in prayer. We need to be praying for one another in light of what's going on. And, and Dick and John, they now connected with one another because they're the two, in a sense, the prayer intercessor people. And as a result of that, they're going to be communicating with one another and praying for what's going on in Barham and what's going on here in Karang. Byram have a pastor. Pastor Fred has already met him, Arthur. And Arthur had been on the mission field in Zambia. What's interesting regarding Arthur, I knew his wife because she went through college with me in Queensland. Then she went to MBI, which is Melbourne Bible Bridal Institute, I think it's called. But anyway, they met at Bible College. <laughs> Bridal College. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And as a result, they went to the mission field together. And they've come back, they've served in uh, Western Australia, and they've come now, and they're serving at Barham. And, uh, he is a great guy and uh, has a great heart to see God moving. But without Pentecost, that wouldn't happen. And today, today is Pentecost Sunday. Now, for those of us in the West, who cares? What does it mean? But if you're Jewish, if you're Jewish, and I've been listening to Jewish stories and Jewish testimonies and understanding the scriptures from a Jewish perspective, it's everything. You see, the Jewish people have a number of feasts. And they're all symbolic. And significant things are happening, which in many ways are what we call shadows, of things to come. They're not the real thing in, it, in itself. And you see, the previous feast to, to, to Pentecost, how many of you are aware of what the, uh, what the feasts are? The previous feast to Pentecost is what? No. Passover is two days before. But there's a significant feast called the Feast of First Fruits what happens at the Feast of First Fruit? At Passover, an animal is sacrificed. And you know the symbolic was, John the Baptist got up at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The reality of this first feast and that the moment the animal, the lamb was sacrificed, Jesus died. But the moment that he died, you know what else happened? The curtain was torn into entrance into the very presence of God. No animal sacrifice was going to be needed anymore. Do you know what the Jewish people did? They sewed the curtain back up. (laughs) Entrance to God, the Father, was there. And I wonder how many times where entrance to God is open to the world to come, and we in the church are preventing people. From all sorts of ways and means of sewing up the curtain, and you got to come through the traditions. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Instead, it is by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift, it's a gift of God. The next feast is the first fruits. And what happens is that the priest comes out and he waves sheaves of barley. It's a harvest season. And there's this sense of anticipation that as a result, at the beginning of this, there's going to be a great harvest. That the seeds that have been planted in are going to produce fruit. And do you know who our first fruit is? Jesus. Jesus is the first fruits of what God is going to bring. He is our brother, but He is the first in line. He's the first in line. And you see, that's also the day Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> he was the first fruits of the resurrection, of the hope. And then Pentecost. Well, what? Pentecost is a Latin word, it's a Greek word. What does it actually mean? 50. <laughs> Fifty. days after Passover. And the priest gets up in the temple and he grabs two loaves of bread and he waves them in the air up and down, north and south. Symbolically, Jews... And Gentiles. The emphasis there. Is that we are no longer two but one. The reality is that we all come to faith in the Lord. To God. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he gets up there. And he waves. And at that point. As he's waving these loaves. There was a mighty noise down the street. And it wasn't coming from the building. It actually says there was a mighty wind came from heaven. It had nothing to do with the building. But the mighty wind came down into that particular building. And it grabbed everyone's attention. Has it grabbed your attention? What this day is really all about and what God wants to do in your life? Or are you so caught up in the tradition of coming to church and going through the motions and then going home and getting on with your life? Pentecost changes everything. As the fire of God comes down and then separates and comes down and lands on everybody's head. And by the way, it's not just the 12 apostles that this fire of God came down upon. There was a 120 gathered together in that room. I had the privilege a few years ago It's amazing how time flies, Fred. But I had the privilege of going to the upper room. It's not small. It's quite large. A place where I was able to go in and I could see in that upper room is where Jesus had celebrated the last Passover. I also saw that this was the place that they had regularly gathered to pray And call upon God and seek. And they had no idea what was going to happen. They just knew that they were told to wait and they would receive. Wait and you receive. Wait and you receive. But how many of us are impatient? We go off and we take matters into our own hands. And so they, because they waited and they prayed and they called upon God to come and baptize them by the Spirit that he says, that Jesus had said to them, in not many days from now, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Symbolism of baptism is dying to self and allowing the Spirit to live in you but not only in you, but through you, that your life may be on fire for Jesus. You know what saddens me as I go around, around our churches? This happened. And one of, the, one of the great things about Joanne and I, when we went and visited England and the UK and back in 1980, I know you're English, but I'm Irish. <laughs> um. And I know, the I, I, Lord is teaching me. <laughs> but the rea- one of the things that happened, and it goes back prior, prior to even our visit to the UK. Joanne may recall a time that she and I, and we weren't even married at this particular point in time, she and I were in her lounge room in the manse. With about 10 other young couples who were getting ready for marriage. (laughs) But we were gathered together and we were praying. I can still visualize the reality of this prayer meeting as we were gathered together and as we were praying. And the Spirit of God came into that room. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? Did you just shake me? No. But the spirit of God had come down upon each and every one of us at that particular point of time with a sense of urgency that we were living in a time that needed the gospel. So when Joanne and I visited England, I remember visiting a church. I said to Joanne, if this guy does not preach the gospel, I'm going to get up. I was 21 years old. But my heart was, we are singing Charles Wesley hymns, John Wesley's hymns, which I love coming from my Methodist roots. And we were singing our way to hell. They could sing the song, but the song was not getting inside of them, it was making no difference to their lives. preacher did not preach the gospel that day. And Joanne prevented me from getting up. (laughs) She did not want me to embarrass us coming from Australia. But that was a moment that God clearly said to me, Graham... I'm calling you into pastoral ministry because the church needs revival. It's dying. And particularly in the West. Well, it's not dying in China. It's not dying in Iraq. It's not dying in the Middle East. It's not dying in Africa. But it is in the UK. It is here in Australia. It is in the States. And a lot of the Western countries, but there are... There are places, there are places that God's spirit is moving, moving, moving. And when it does, boy, it radically changes things. We need the fire of God to come and breathe life so that it becomes contagious. What's happening in and through his church. So as we begin to ponder on the reality of this, God is doing something very, very significant and very, very special. Joanna and I do a devotional. It's called uh, the, uh, the Bible app. And on yesterday, there was a devotional and the focus was on Pentecost. I think the day he <laughs> got a little bit early. But anyway, the reality was from that day, from, to, yes, from today, there is a movement that is happening and being established regarding prayer for worldwide revival. For the church to really take hold of what the Spirit of God wants to do. And it's in this that I want to just share a few thoughts regarding Pentecost and the significance of Pentecost for your life and for mine. You see, the first thing that we understand is that, and you'll need to, yep, I'm on. You'll need to flick me. So the first thing that we need to understand is that the coming of the Holy Spirit is Pentecost celebrates the coming of the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit, you and I cannot go to heaven. Without the Spirit, you and I can't do anything. It's totally dependent upon us. Totally. And that's why we have to go through the traditions. That's why we have to go through all of these things. But God knew that it was never going to be enough. He says, I will make my home. I will make my home in human beings. I'm going to change their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. So that we're no longer under the law, which leads to death. But we're under the spirit that leads to life. Now, Jesus says, I've come to give you what? What kind of life? Some miserable life? I've come to give you life and life to the full. Are you experiencing it? Are you experiencing the joy of the Lord is my strength? That when I'm going through difficult times, I really appreciate it, Christi, the, the song that we've just sung because it actually brought to mind a person who sent me a text at 4.30 yesterday afternoon. You see, over, just over 12 months ago, this person who sent me the text, their mother died. But the mother had actually asked me to do the funeral. I wasn't no longer her pastor. I had been her pastor for 14 years. and Because of the relationship that I had with this particular individual, she requested that I facilitate her funeral. And so the family, not all of them are walking with the Lord, gathered together, some from interstate and others locally, and we gathered. And I was there when this lady died. And it was a privilege to facilitate her service of entrance into the presence of God. She was a pianist. She loved music. She was a little bit crazy. Um, but she just loved, she just loved the Lord. The text that came through, because of the manner in which I've continued In some form of way of just being there, letting them know I'm praying for them, a text came Graham, I'm at a point of total desperation. Please pray for me and my kids. To which my immediate response is to phone. I hate texts, I like to talk to people. And so the phone was not answered. And then God revealed me something to write. In a text that reflected the song that we just sung. And then they rang me. And we had a very long conversation. And that person is going through a really very awkward, very difficult, complicated situation. But as I listened and as I prayed, she then sent me another text reassuring me that God was with her. You see, when God comes, he just doesn't come alongside. He comes to make his home in you. (laughs) You are the dwelling place. Where is Jesus right now? He is dwelling in your heart and life. I love how the Apostle John talks about it in John's Gospel, where he's referring to the ministry of the Holy Spirit where Jesus is talking. And in this passage, he says, and I too will love you. The Father will love you, and I too will love you. And we will make our home with you. (laughs) He's in you. When you come to a personal faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, where do you ask him to come? You ask him to come into your heart. Or you ask him to come into your life. And he hears that prayer and he immediately responds. Now when he does, he he gradually comes in and takes over your life. Because there's areas in your life that you haven't surrendered yet. But what he wants to do by his spirit is by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is to teach you, to counsel you, to comfort you, and to help you become more like Jesus. And so this next slide actually talks about it in Philippians 3. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I love talking to people like Dick. <laughs> because he's been walking with Jesus for an awful long time. I'm not going to say how old he is. But he's been walking with the Lord for an awful long time. It was very similar to my father-in-law. My father-in-law was my pastor, and that's how Joanna and I met. And so I married his, the pastor's daughter. But one of the things I discovered regarding my father-in-law is that he was he was a lifelong learner. He was well-educated, but he was saying, Graham, I just discovered this in the Word. And it's just made a radical change in my life. And the aspect of allowing the Spirit of God to bring transformation. And as we go through our lives, the work of the Spirit, and generally speaking, where do you do your greatest growth as as a follower of Jesus? Through Trials. That's my experience. Because, and this is one of the issues for us in the West, we basically have everything. But when you have nothing, and I love talking to Pastor Fred this morning, in light of he was reflecting on his church back in. Kenya, and one of the things he was saying, you know, say, Graham, regarding our budget in the church, and we were a large congregation, we didn't have lots and lots of money, but what we would do is we would pray, (laughs) and as a result of praying, we found that God would meet all our needs, not our wants, but all our needs. And one of the reasons why God took the children of Israel through the wilderness for a period of 40 years was that to learn to teach them to be totally, totally dependent upon God. And guess what? God is faithful. I love reading that passage of Scripture when it comes to the end of the, of the wilderness experience. It says this. Their shoes never wore out. (laughs) How many times have you bought shoes? And how often have they been wearing out? And imagine, can you imagine a pair of shoes lasting for 40 years? In the wilderness, for goodness sake? They never lacked food. Oh, there was times when they grumbled, but God always provided for them. And when they entered into the promised land... All the things changed. But there was a warning, because they were entering into the very promise and all the provisions that were, they were now going to enter into the land of milk and honey, and God was saying, "Don't forget. Do not forget. Do not forget. When you come into this land which is going to be flowing and it's going to have all of these things, do not forget. Guess what? They forgot. And how often have you forgotten? Because God wants us to be totally dependent upon him for literally everything. Literally everything. My health, my finances, my family, and allowing God to do the transforming work. What is it that you're doing in me and through me right now? What's he doing in you? That maybe all you're doing is like the children of Israel... Complaining. Instead of complaining, ask God, What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? What am I missing that I'm going through this awkward moment of time in this thing? Lord, show me your ways. And as a result of that, there is this transformational thing that happens. Pastor Fred was making reference to Joseph last night as we were talking. And God revealed his destiny. <laughs> Your mom and dad and the family are going to bow down. To you, you are going to be... Eh. You see, when God often reveals a sense of destiny and the direction, he doesn't give you the details. He doesn't tell you what's going to happen on the journey. By the way, Joseph, I'm not going to tell you you're going to be thrown in the pit. Your brothers will want to kill you. By the way, you're going to get sold into slavery. By the way, you, 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 even oh, things will be working out. There's going to be a woman that's going to... And you're going to be thrown in a jail. You're going to be thrown in a prison. I love reading the story of Joseph. Because one of the key phrases that is mentioned in every situation of Joseph's life is this word, this phrase. And the Lord was with him in the pit, in Egypt, in prison, and out of the prison. And as a result of Joseph entrusting his life, God, you are doing a work, and I don't understand it. I don't, can't comprehend it, but I'm trusting you. It's amazing what happens because he's in the transformation business. Now, the other thing that he is saying here in the next slide refers to that is that you and I get to a point where we can't. We can't do it. And I love how Paul in his prayer, and you see, Paul came through a situation where he was such a religious zealot that he even persecuted the church and allowed people to die and gave permission for Stephen, the first martyr, to die Because he was adamant that this new cult, this new sect that was rising up called the way or the Jesus followers was wrong. Until as he was on his way to get more of these people imprisoned, he gets knocked off his horse and he's struck blind. And in the process of this, there is this question, who are you, Lord? (laughs) I am Jesus. Jesus you are persecuting. And the next number of months and years. Because as you read the scriptures. You think he got saved. And immediately went on to the mission field. No. There's 14 years. (laughs) That are in between that. There's a period of three years. That he's in the wilderness. Where he's actually relearning. What he had been taught. And putting things into context again. And then there is this sense of ministry uh, in, in Turkey. Then he is called to Antioch, and his ministry then takes off. His understanding is that now unto him who is able to do some things. Some things. No, that's not what my Bible says. What does your Bible say? Come on, you can tell me. Now unto him who is able to do all things, everything, more than we think or imagine. Some of us have got really good imaginations, and some of us have none. It's true. And particularly those who lack faith when it comes to making decisions around money. And coming, making decisions about direction. And making decisions about other things. We can't afford it. We can't do this. And it's all about us. It's all about us. It's all about us. And the Spirit of God comes and says, Sorry, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about me. Now unto him who is able to do amazingly more than we think or imagine. I love the next bit. What's it say? according to the power that is in heaven. Now, what does it say? According to the power that is in you. That same power, in Corinthians it says, that same power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is in you. Doesn't that put a smile on your face? The aspect of the power of God is in you. He's able to do amazingly more we think or imagine. You and I are living in the most exciting days of history. Do you know it? Do you realize it? Why are you saying that, Graham? Because Jesus is coming back. You know what the next feast is in Jewish culture? It's the feast of Trumpets. (laughs) It's the Feast of Trumpets. The dynamic of Jesus coming back to gather his people, his gather his bride. I have been so, so excited. And I want to really promote the One for Israel um, app or the One for Israel on YouTube. But get onto it and start listening to the testimonies of Jewish people. Jewish people, there are hundreds of them coming to faith. Doesn't that excite you? And you know, one of the comments that often is, each and every one of them say, this comment, Jesus is the best kept secret amongst Jews. Jesus is the best kept, the rabbis. And once a a Jewish person comes to faith, they are under so much persecution. One, by their rabbi, by their synagogue, and by their family. The reality is, but I loved one of the testimonies it says, but when I, when I came to realize that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus is Jewish and Jesus is just, he's, I, I'm Jewish, I'm really proud to be Jewish because Jesus is the Messiah and he's Jewish. I, I don't care. Because he's my Messiah. He's my savior. And he has come and he's coming back again. And therefore, he will enable me to live a life that is going through difficult times. And some of us, as Fred was praying, are going through issues of health, are going through issues of aging, are going through issues of uh, seeing families and difficulties that were going on. Are we bringing these matters before the Spirit of God and allowing God to even use these things for his glory? Because he is sovereign. He is still in control. He didn't abdicate. And the greatest example of that is that Jesus knows what it's like. He was abused. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, he was abused. Jesus died. But death could not hold him down. Death could not hold him down. You and I are on the winning side. I love listening to some of the testimonies that are coming out of the Ukraine. Their faith. <laughs> let faith arise. Let faith arise. God, please, Lord, let faith arise. Let her rise and karang. That the movement of God in the Corrine Baptist Church, that this building is not big enough to contain what God wants to do in your life because you now believe that He is able to do amazingly more than we think or imagine. And it's got nothing to do with you as individuals, but it's got everything to do with what God's plan and purpose is for your life as the body of Christ. Do you believe it? That's what Pentecost is about. It's the reality of I now have come down. I am now I'm transforming. And I am now enabling you to live the life that I've called you to live. And it's not about you. It's about what I'm doing. So that this world may become all for Jesus. Because he died for the world. Well, I could go on. And... Uh, in light of this I just need to quickly go through this the Pentecost celebrates the birth of next life celebrates the birth of the church this is your birthday happy birthday church you are over 2000 years old some of us look at but some of us don't that's okay <laughs> the the, real, the reality is that and the great thing about this is being being the church is that you and I were called to be the body of Christ You see, the first aspect of the coming of the Holy Spirit is to bring about the rebirth in your life individually, that you would become a child of God. The second aspect of understanding that celebrates the birth of the church, you were never called to be in isolation. You were called to be part of a community, and that community is called the church. And the church is made up. I love how Paul the apostle says that, Now you are the body. Now you are the body. You listening to me? Paul says. You listening to me? You are the body of Christ. And by the way, what what you and I have to say this to some people who are going through um, maybe a little bit of depression and their thoughts about themselves are, "I'm ugly." This happened with Joanne when I first met her, um, and I wanted to marry her. She says, "I'm ugly. I'm hopeless. I'm useless. You don't want to marry me." I was, I was 18, fell madly in love with this crazy lady. And the dynamic is, my knowledge of Scripture, based upon what I learned as a child, not through theological college, my first response to Joanne, who told you? Who told you? Who told you? God does not make junk. I love Psalm 139. just says this. The thoughts that God has towards me outnumber the grains of sand. God's thoughts are that I'm precious. God loved me so much that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. The value that God has placed on my life is the value of his son. That's how valuable I am. It's how valuable you are. Each and every single one of you. And the Holy Spirit enables us because he is called the teacher. And we need to be taught what God's word actually says and implemented so that we're not just memorizing a scripture into our minds, but we're actually memorizing scripture that it comes and is outworked in our life. There's a, verse, a couple of verses in the book of Deuteronomy that really, really, I embraced it completely because Moses is talking to the children of Israel just before they're going into the promised land. And he's saying this, And remember, these are not just ordinary words. (laughs) He says this, these are not just ordinary words. They are your life. Are you feeding your body on God's word? You know what concerns me about the generation that's growing up today? They're feeding themselves on social network. (laughs) Their thoughts are being manipulated and controlled by the social society that's going on. And all sorts of thoughts and all sorts of issues are being raised and penetrating into their minds. And their thoughts are anything but godly. Now... The issue for us to have these thoughts, because we can, we can experience these thoughts as, as, as human beings. But the Apostle Paul very clearly says, take each thought captive. Bring it under the scrutiny of God's word. So that the thoughts that Joanne had about herself as a 17 year old that she was useless that she was hopeless that she was ugly she would never amount to any good did they align to the truth? the answer is no and they shall know the truth and the truth will and you shall be free indeed are you experiencing freedom? that only can come by the Spirit of God, speaking God's truth into your life so that you're living your life according to the Word of God. The element is not just are we called the body of Christ, but we're called the bride of Christ. The next slide says this in Ephesians 5, 32. This is the profound mystery where he's talking about husbands and wives. And he said, I'm not talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about Christ and the church. The reality is that you are called the bride of Christ. When Jesus Christ comes to return, he's coming back for a bride. Joanna and I went to my niece's wedding the other day. They spent months preparing for, at least we think they did, but they spent months in preparation for this wedding. I asked my brother, how's things going? He says, I'm just doing as I'm told. You see, arrangements now for people getting married have changed. (laughs) You know, when we got married, our parents were involved in the whole process. Uh, These days, the parents just do as they told, and (laughs) it's going to cost this much. Eh. The reality is we went along to this wedding, and the bride was ready, and the bridegroom was ready. All the work had been done. We had to turn up. And so we got to see and celebrate together. The bridegroom is coming back, and the bride is not ready. There needs to be a time of washing. There needs to be a time of cleansing. There needs to be a time of just getting things ordered. There needs to be things that are chucked out of our lives in order that we focus on what Jesus Christ is saying and doing. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction in saying, okay, there's this area in your life. I keep hearing it. He's been addressing my pride, my arrogance. Sometimes the manner in which I speak to my wife is not necessarily the most godly. And so he very quickly brings me under conviction. He says, Graham, you need to deal with that. That's not godly. That's not going to heaven. We need to put things right. We need to be recognizing who we are as the body of Christ, but also the bride of Christ. But also in this last aspect, it says we are the building of God. God. You also, like living stones, are being built, and that's a continuous process, into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The aspect is that you and I are the building blocks, and Christ is the cornerstone that's who who we are. We are, and the aspect of understanding this is understanding that being a building, it's actually a temple. Other religions have temples. You you are aware of that. You can go to Greece and you can go to Africa and you can. What is the purpose of a temple? To house the God, and to be a place of worship. And the reality is that God is building. The Holy Spirit is building. A temple and that your body and my body together as we come together are the dwelling place of God. The, the the worship of God rises up. That's why we're never called to be individuals. We're called to be community. Because there's nothing greater than being in a gathered place of worship. Yes, it's great to be able to worship God on my own and go out to nature and, and just Look at the stars and see God's wonderful creation and then come together on a weekly basis and celebrate the great and the goodness of God. You are the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. You are the building of God. And that is what you are. I'm going to finish there because we could be I could go on but the reality is the aspect of God has called us, the Pentecost, is the birth of mission. It's the birth of mission. It's about going out into all the world. And I love how Acts 1.8 says this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and I wrestle with this verse because I don't see it actually lived out in a lot of people's lives. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses it is not a command in greek terminology and greek language it's what we call a result clause it's an outcome so michael when the holy spirit comes upon you he comes and dwells in you and as a result of the coming and dwelling in you he wants to get out But you and I lock them in. It's my faith. It's mine. It's mine. And the Holy Spirit is inside each and every one of us. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. I want to tell the world. I want to tell the world. I love it. Michael, you were singing this morning. You were in the spirit. I could see. You were away with the birds. Um, The reality was that God. But that's okay. But the reality is that. When the Spirit of God comes on you, you will witness, and I could tell, you were in the Spirit, and as a result of being in the Spirit, you you were caught up in the presence, and as a result of being caught up in the presence, everybody else could see it. And there's nothing worse than people singing these wonderful songs. What we were experiencing in England, these Charles Wesley hymns and John Wesley hymns, and they were singing the songs and they're going, well, they're definitely not in the Spirit. They need the Spirit of God to come and impact their lives, that the words that they're singing resonate and testify that Jesus is alive. You were doing that. Great. We need to see more and more of that. Because we are called to be bear witness. Not to ourselves. But to everybody else. You see Pentecost. Is a time to celebrate the coming of the spirit. Pentecost is a time to celebrate the birth of the church. And Pentecost is a time. To get out. And share the good news of Jesus. And allowing the Spirit. My prayer for each and every one of you, no matter how old you are, no matter what stage of life or what your health or your physical situation is, that you may be baptized by the Spirit of God. Because when you are baptized by the Spirit of God, you cannot help but witness. It just resonates. God, come and do it at Grand Baptist Church that the noise that is going on in here, people will go, what is going on at Karang Baptist Church? I've got to go and see. And that's exactly what happened on Pentecost Sunday. People were hearing. People were seeing. And by the way, there will be those that say, they're nuts, they're drunk. But many will come to know and experience because your life bears testimony that Jesus is Alive. And that's the ministry of the Spirit. Let's stand. Come, Holy Spirit. And I'd like the musicians just to come. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. We need you. Many of us, oh God, have been endeavoring to live this Christian life in our own strength And we have been struggling and struggling. And the word for you today is, that's great. Now I can do something in in you. Faithful is he who called you and he will do it. Come Holy Spirit and move amongst each and every one of us that we may bear testimony and witness. I rebuke any fear in the name of Jesus Christ and I pray for a spirit of love and of power and a sound mind to well up within each and every one of us that we would live our lives to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and move in us and through us that from this Sunday onwards, Lord, our lives would bear testimony to the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us worship him as we sing this great hymn of faith It's an oldie, but a goldie. We're going to sing this one. I I remember singing it in the 60s. But we're going to... Isn't that right? We're going to sing it. So put it up on the screen and let's worship him. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine.